0: Welcome into another emergency podcast uh, with the Oxen Audibles podcast. I'm Eric Scopel. We're joined today with by Kevin Wade. Uh, Matt Cream really picks just the best days to go on vacations and take a day off because uh, some breaking news today. Uh, Pac-12 releases its updated schedule and, and some significant changes made on the on the schedule for sure. And we're going to break that all down here on today's show. Um, let's let's start Kevin by just kind of running through. Oregon's new 10-game schedule. The Pac-12 announced it's about 1 p.m. on Friday. Um, kind of a shakeup here. I think I think there have been rumors throughout, I guess, the last week, couple weeks, about what a new schedule would look like when, when the conference announced it would be going to a conference-only schedule. I think that was July 10th. Um, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I looked at this and, and was a little surprised. Um, so let's run through, through the 10 games and, and kind of what Oregon has in front of them, and then we'll talk about maybe why we're a little surprised by it, like kind of what the conference did.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a little bit surprising. I think a lot of the rumors that we've heard over the past 20 days were correct in some form or shape. Yeah. I think then there were there was news that caught everyone off guard and I think a lot of it was forced hand by the other conferences with the SEC announcing just this week yesterday about that they're going to a 10 game conference schedule, uh ACC going to the 10 plus 1. Uh, earlier this week, and the Big 10 and Big 12 still trying to figure out what they're doing. So I think there was a, a lot of hands forced to the Pac-12 in this new schedule, but the most surprising development is um, Oregon still plays Colorado on September 26th. So uh, that's that that's kind of where the Ducks will start off. They're not going to open with Utah But instead of it being at Boulder, Colorado will come to Autzen for the second straight year.
0: Yeah, and I I think um, a positive thing here, you start presumably the Tyler Shuck era with a home game against an opponent, which let's be frank, probably I picked it. I just did it. We ranked the schedules shortly after it came out. I picked this as the easiest game on the schedule. I think Colorado probably going to be a team that has a hard time winning more than two or three games on their 10-game schedule. A favorable start, from my perspective, for Tyler Shuck for this Oregon team to open with arguably the worst team in the conference at home.
1: I mean, I mean, the Ducks nearly shut them out in last year um, at home with the defense. Not much has changed in the defense, and uh, Colorado doesn't have that great a defense. Um, and that was coming with a defensive-minded head coach last year, but now they have an offensive-minded head coach in Carl Durrell. So, uh, I think that's very favorable for Oregon. Uh, Week two, they travel to Washington State on October 3rd. And then the first, the second major shakeup of the season, Arizona State on October 9th, a Friday in Austin. I I think that's going to be a key game fans are looking forward to. October 17th, my birthday, but uh, that doesn't matter. Uh, Ducks play at Oregon State. Um, That's a weird one, seeing the rivalry game in – the first half of the season but
0: in yeah. mid-October yeah no kidding and uh and it's strange that we can't refer to it how we would like to refer to it so we're going to refer to it as the Oregon Oregon State football game I shouldn't say how we'd like to refer to it, how it's been referred to previously I think we're all okay with the change I, I know I've communicated that in the past but uh yeah it's weird to play Oregon Oregon State October 17th and I I think a strange season. There's not really any normalcy with football in general, but one of the things that's going to be a little bit interesting going into the season is the season doesn't end with Oregon, Oregon State to close the regular season before any postseason play. Um, They play that game really early on, um, mid-October, like Kevin said, on the 17th. I think that's going to be really interesting. I think from an Oregon perspective, let's just run through that first four-game part of the schedule. We already talked about Colorado. Um, At Washington State, could be a tough game. We don't really know what we're going to get from the Cougars this year. Mike Leach is gone. Nick Rolovich is in. Uh, new quarterback. Lost most of their top offensive weapons. A lot on defense, too. I think that's a, a game that I, when I ranked the schedule, I didn't have that one particularly difficult. So I think, honestly, you, you open the season with two of the more winnable games. And then the third game, like Kevin said, that, that's a that's potentially a tough one. That's a rematch game uh, with a game against Arizona State that obviously Oregon would love to have that back. And I think, from my perspective, I actually think getting that game early in the season. I don't know if you agree with this, Kevin. I think that's actually favorable. Um, oh, pre- incredibly. Yeah, previously it was scheduled. Later on in the season, it was back end. It was, it was the last big, probably arguably the last big obstacle for the second straight season before the end of the regular season. Now you get that game on the front end. Um, I don't love that it's on a Friday night. That means a short week leading up to it. Um, probably Tyler Shuck's first big test. I, I think that's going to be an interesting one. We should say the, the week before that against the Cougars – not a great place to debut as a quarterback. Someone who was up there um, the last time when they did have fans in the stadium, but I, I don't. I think the fact that there's no fans at in Pullman this year, more than likely or at least a smaller fan base, um, kind of mitigate really that.
1: Early October in Pullman, I think that's weather-wise, that's a huge win for Oregon. I mean, yeah. imagine a late November, uh, late November game. I mean, that's that's a considerable win for the Ducks on this schedule. And then, as we mentioned, Arizona State. Um, being a Friday night game, we'll get more into this later, but I think that's going to be – I mean, Friday night game, early October, that's going to have national eyeballs. Uh, so definitely kind of the emphasis point on Oregon's early schedule. And then you have the Oregon State rivalry game uh, a week later, which I think the Ducks should be able to handle that well. Yeah. Um, but there's a four games. And then the Ducks get their bye um, in – the the week following the Oregon State game, and then get Washington. So that's another major takeaway is that the Ducks host Washington after a bye week, something that's happened. I think this is the third straight year where the Ducks go in with a bye, follow that up with uh, travel down to Cal in early November on the 7th, um, and then November 14th, the big matchup against USC, uh, and then the final three games of the season down to Arizona on November uh, 20th which is also a Friday should be noted Uh, November 28th host Stanford and then close the season with the 10th additional game added uh, at Utah uh, on December 5th. I think that's going to be a game. I think as much as the ducks kind of had some good fortune in rearranging the schedule, I think that's a game that uh, definitely will stand out. And the PAC 12 title will be on December 19th. could there be a rematch? Maybe. So I think that's that's where the schedule is right now. I think there's a, a lot to break down here.
0: Yeah, and I, I think let's just pick up right where we were before. We had the bye week, like Kevin said, on the, the week of the 24th. And then it's a home game against Washington. I actually really love the way this flows for Oregon after the bye. From my perspective, three games directly after the bye – are the is the toughest part of the season and these are the these are three of the four hardest games I think on the schedule I have my rankings on the site you can go take a look at that we'll we'll talk more about that throughout the show I probably but if you want to read the whole version it's on the site um but the fact that you get all those games directly after a bye week I mean getting Washington right after a bye is is great and then um I don't love that you, that you have a stretch like this on your schedule but I, I think you're going to learn a lot here and you go to at Cal and, and to me that's one of the toughest games in the schedule week after that they host USC another one of those really tough games so you're gonna I I think the first four games give one good test against the Sun Devils the other three games in my mind should be pretty decisive Oregon wins you go on a bye week and then you really get that test and I think you're gonna learn a lot coming off that bye week against Washington and then even more at California that'll be the first really big road test of the season um Kevin thoughts on that three-game stretch you you agree that that's probably the, the, the toughest stretch for the Ducks this season
1: Oh, easily the toughest stretch. I mean, I th- I think those of the f- the four toughest games, you have three of them in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess fortunate for Oregon that they get Washington and USC uh, at home. So two of the three tough games in that stretch are at home. we really um, just
0: really quick, Kevin. How, how much stock are we even putting in the fact that these are home games or not? Like I feel like I feel like, or, or home or away games. Like I feel like the sight of the games and and, and is just. I don't know what to make of it anymore. So, so we Well, before. I think the,
1: the the big question is going to be, are fans allowed? How yeah. many fans? Are we talking 20%? Uh, will there be 10,000 people in Austin? 5,000, 15,000? I think that adds a, a big question to it. But then I think that's also just the the rest. I mean, traveling does take some out of you on the body, especially when you're having to follow some, some tougher protocols um, throughout the year. I think that's going to – we're, we're going to see some – interesting uh i don't want to say side effects because these players should be healthy but i think there's just going to be some interesting externalities is the word i'll go with
0: um
1: of how the season is going to shake out and I, i think there will be a home advantage mainly of of comfort level i mean Just knowing what MLB players, uh, because they're really the only league that's not bubbling right now that's currently happening, are having what they're having to do when they go to hotels and how they're picking hotels and all of those things that are going with the, the COVID protocol. I think that just being at home is easier, sleeping in your own bed is easier, and going to your own locker room is easier than having to go on the road.
0: Great points there, Kevin. I I do think it is going to be interesting to see from an an actual on-site advantage of when you're at the game, what that looks like from a fan base perspective, how much of an impact or what is the impact difference of 20% of the stadium being full as opposed to 100% or or whatever that number is or if there are fans allowed at all. Um, All these things are going to be interesting interesting to think about when you're looking at scheduling here and trying to decipher uh, advantages of home versus away. For me, when I was ranking the games, I, I probably took less stock at where they were located than I normally would have. Um, just because I, I think it is going to be somewhat mitigated this season. But uh, I do think that game in Berkeley, certainly from my perspective, uh, that that's a game to be very much aware of. Um, moving on here. Now, after you get out of this three-game stretch, Washington, Cal, USC, that back end here is kind of funky. Um, at Arizona, I think Arizona is – On not, a short week. Yeah, on a short week, right, as well, after USC. Um it's a funky game here you know usc's arizona's probably not gonna be very good i I picked this as one of the easier games in the schedule but it's also a friday night road game in the desert and historically oregon has had a really hard time playing arizona or arizona state at least the last couple of years you think about how those games have gone um kevin are you does that game worry you at all and from a talent perspective i think oregon is going to be significantly better but Things are weird down there, and I didn't love seeing the, 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 the location and the date of that game when I looked at the schedule.
1: Desert voodoo, man. It's, uh, yeah. it's been a problem this de- the past decade, and maybe because the Ducks are in 2020, it's a new decade, and mm-hmm. last decade we will get left behind. I, I, okay. I don't know, but um, <laughs> a lot of uh, bad vibes in the desert for the Ducks. So it we- does feel like a weird game, but it will tell you a lot about the team.
0: We should note that Brennan Schooler will be playing in that game for the Wildcats, and that's a minor fact, but just one of those, oh, yeah, he's going to be playing on a different team in the Pac-12 and Oregon's going to face them this year kind of things. Um, Last home game of the season against Stanford, which, frankly, it's kind of cool that at least your last home game is is a quasi-rivalry game. I think it's good. I I like that they did that. Um, I look at Stanford this year and think they're one of those teams. I didn't have this as one of the more difficult games, I'll be honest. I think I had this really low on my list. Um the Cardinal are hard for me to gauge. They were terrible last year. They only won four games. A lot of a lot of a lot of players turn you know, a lot of player turnover, a lot of players transferred out after the season. Um a lot of talent they, there still. But they
1: bring back a ton. I mean they do bring back Debo, yeah uh, a very healthy offensive line, supposedly. If everybody is healthy,
0: it's a very yeah, good Davis- offensive Mills line. Looked, yeah, Mills looked pretty good at the end of the last season, I thought. Um, you know, and I know they have other options there too. they, they I was ranked the top receiving groups in the conference and Stanford was the only one um, that had their top three receivers back. And in fact, they have their top four receivers back Uh, Parkinson, the big loss at tight end, obviously, but I I don't know what to make of this Stanford team. And and I had it lower in my ranking partly just because they weren't very good last year. And I don't know what they're going to be this year, but I also think this could be a game where depending upon how the season plays out, this game could actually be somewhat meaningful in the Pac-12 North. Um, If Stanford is, I mean, they have the talent. Kevin and I are just kind of running through its back. If, if this plays out well, this could actually be a game where Oregon may actually need to win it to ensure they win um, the Pac-12 North. And, of course, we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit later about what we think the chances are of, of something like that happening. But uh, I think that game's interesting. I think that one could be a game. I really look at this, and that's one of the games in the schedule I look at and go, that could mean almost absolutely nothing. And Oregon could conceivably win that game going away, or that game could be – a classic Oregon Stanford game that we've seen over the last decade where that rivalry has really picked up.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Stanford looks by the end of the season. And I mean, it can really go either way. It could be a lot like last season or they could have put it all together by the end of the season. And it puts uh, some pressure on the ducks for the PAC 12 North title.
0: Yeah. And it wraps up, like Kevin said earlier at Utah on the road. Um, kind of funny back-to-back years where Oregon and Utah were not scheduled to play where they are going to play last year obviously they played in the Pac-12 championship game Oregon wins that game uh, sets them up for the Rose Bowl and we know what happens from there Uh, Utah plays in Alamo Bowl and loses Utah is a different team this year I've been running through a lot of the Pac-12 rosters in the last couple weeks trying to kind of re-educate myself on the conference because frankly it's been hard to know how much I should be paying attention to it until we have an actual schedule in front of us but uh I look at them and I think they lost the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in Zach Moss. They lost quarterback Tyler Huntley. Um, They lost Bradley and Anai on defense. They lost a couple other players on defense that were really good in that secondary. Um, But they're also Utah, and this game's on the road at the very end of a season, and it could be a really scary game. And it could even be like Kevin, you know, mentioned earlier. It could be a game that is a, you know, rematch about 10 days later in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game again. Um, what do you think of the Utes this year, Kevin? You have a strong opinion on them. I look at them and think they're like Stanford could kind of go one way or the other. Just other. dangerous. Yeah, they're dangerous.
1: I think that's the, the the key for Oregon is it. it's a dangerous game to be playing at the end of your season. As much as I like that it's not the first game of the season just because Utah's known as a defensive team uh, and could pose a lot of challenges as you're trying to break in a new quarterback and four new offensive linemen um and so much else on the offensive side of the ball for the ducks i just think by the end of the season if utah can start to figure out some of their own offensive issues that they're going to have breaking in a new quarterback and running back and so many other positions yeah. it could be a dangerous game and i mean we've seen utah uh give the ducks challenges especially with new quarterbacks i mean uh was it uh, jason shelley yeah. two years
0: ago <laughs> oh boy uh, He's not, he, by the way, Jason Shelley was up for grabs. He could have won the starting quarterback job, but transferred like three days after they had it, they added somebody. So Shelley beat Oregon a couple years ago in that game, and and never ends up being a starting quarterback for the Utes. That kind of compounds things if you're an Oregon fan, probably. Um,
1: yeah, but, it's gonna be uh, It's gonna be interesting to see um, how that schedule all works out. But I think overall. I think the best news is that there is a schedule. That's right. I think that's the best part about
0: this entire schedule. (laughs) That there is one. I agree. It exists. (laughs) It's in existence and it's firm and it's almost August here. Uh, I I just had a couple of final thoughts on the schedule before we kind of talk about a couple other topics here regarding it. Um, I I look at it here and I actually, I'm going to, I think I break it down into like three sections. You have the. The pre-bi-week schedule, which is Colorado at Washington State, Arizona State, and at Oregon State, I look at that and going. that's a kind of – I don't want to call those tune-up games, but I think that's an easier stretch of the schedule. At least I expect it to be. And then you have your three games that are definitely expected to be ta- challenging. Washington at Cal at and at home against USC. Sorry. Uh, and that's a stretch, a stretch of the schedule I think is really potentially challenging. I think you look at it at least at face value and think that's where a loss could happen, one of those three games. And then you have the back end, which is a real mysterious three games. I mean, you look at it, like, on paper, Oregon should be a lot better than all those teams. I mean, Arizona, definitely. Stanford, based upon winning four games last year. Utah, what they lost. But you have two of those on the road. And I also think that you just don't know what the season's going to play out with, and you don't know what's going to be on the line for either Stanford and Utah, who could conceivably both probably be competing for division championships. So um, I think it's an interesting schedule. I think it breaks down kind of in an odd way if you want to look at it breaking down into sections like that. Uh, let's transition our talk here a little bit, Kevin. Um, you were on about, what was it, about an hour long webinar conference call with a, a number of people that went into this decision-making process of kind of the schedule being put together, namely Larry Scott. Uh, so I think we, were, we learned a lot, obviously. Let's start with what we learned. What are some important details that you take away from this that, that maybe we didn't have as much clarity before? Uh, so
1: they kind of talked about the reason they picked the season start date is the 26th is that it just kind of uh, it, it allows a little bit more time for programs to get going rather than the adding a week on the front end of the season as had been speculated when they announced uh, going to the 10-game conference-only season. I think that's a pretty important factor. Um, the bye weeks, if you look at the mass calendar that the past 12 released – Uh, You'll notice that the first opponent of each team lines up their bye week. So Oregon has the bye week in week four or five of the season. And that's the same bye week as Colorado, the week one opponent. UCLA and USC, who opened the season together, have a week six bye week together. All the teams have that in case the season does need to get pushed back by a week because things just aren't where they need to be. Uh, At that time, the schedule was built with a ton of flexibility. They reiterated that throughout the call in about every point they made that there is a plan A, B, and C that we kind of already know, but they already have plans D, E, all the way to Z in their pocket if things need to be readjusted as necessary.
0: They also announced August 17th as the first possible date to start fall camp. Um, which, is, which is news because I think we've been patiently waiting here in Eugene going, like, when is Oregon's fall camp going to start? Um, at least we now know when that can start. What did you – and I know, I know we've slacked a little bit about this, but did, did you get a lot of confidence from, I guess – did you think Larry Scott let's, – let's phrase this differently. Did you think Larry Scott had a lot of confidence in, the, the, I guess, the possibility of this season being completed? Because based upon what we've, we've talked about, it seemed like there was a – he maybe didn't hide his, his hand very well. I I
1: think he is very cautiously optimistic, Um, but just knowing that, I mean, you look at where cases of coronavirus are and the hotspots across the country, Arizona and Southern California are two of the main hotspots among Florida, Texas, Georgia, other states like that, so Uh, I think they just have to be cautiously optimistic. I don't think he hit it well, but he did say, this is why we've built in these bye weeks the way we have uh, for Arizona playing Arizona State and UCLA playing USC because they can either play in the bye week or there's an open week between the final week of games, the week 11, if it will, and the Pac-12 championship game. I think it's like December 12th. They've built that in in case games need to be made up. And he did mention that there was the possibility that You know, there might not be an even all teams get in 10 games, but the hope is that they're able to figure something out to allow that. Uh, He did mention spring, but uh, he kind of, once he said it, he put it back in the bottle. Like that's absolute like worst case if we need to get games going. Um, So I I don't think they're going to look to spring, especially with releasing this fall schedule. So I think that was a pretty important takeaway. Uh, I did mention it earlier, but – the Pac-12 title is pushed back to December 19th, and it will not be held in Las Vegas. Um, after, what, 2014, they moved it to Levi's Stadium in, in uh, the Bay Area. And this year is supposed to be the first year in the Raiders' new stadium, Allegiant uh, Stadium. So I think that's pretty significant that it's going to be played in um, uh, on campus at the higher seated, just like it was when the Ducks hosted in 2011.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that was one thing I wanted to make sure that listeners knew that there was a shakeup there with the conference championship game from a venue perspective. It's going to be played, like Kevin said, not at Levi Stadium, at a a, uh, neutral site. Instead, it'll be played uh, at the home of the team. And it'll be interesting to see how much, again, how much of an advantage is it this year to have, say, that's Oregon against USC and that's played in Eugene because I'm being, I guess, a little bit of a homer here. But how much that matters uh, ultimately in terms of how that plays out. And we should also say that the day of that game uh, aligns exactly with the SEC conference championship game as well, which uh, at least it's nice to see some continuity from a scheduling perspective considering that this whole thing is uh, being handled completely different conference to conference nationally. So um, I, I personally, I like that part of it too, that at least you're keeping some sort of similar scheduling um, landmarks uh, this year. <laughs> The one
1: thing that Larry Scott did say is that we created this schedule to keep the bowl season alive and keep the college football playoff alive. And I think you're going to start seeing – I mean, the Big 12, who knows what they're doing. Uh, Big 10 still trying to figure out what they're doing. Uh, I mean, the Big 12 still has games set for the first weekend uh, or the last weekend of August, uh, week zero games. Big 10 hasn't announced what they're doing. ACC and SEC have – Uh, but now we're at this point where decisions are being made and stamped and dates are put on the calendar. And so now we're starting to figure out how college football is going to look. Is there still a possibility of having a January one Rose Bowl, um, college national semifinal. So I think that's going to be something that we're going to have to keep looking forward, see what happens when the ACC really gets down and, and the SEC posts their actual schedules and do teams, are they able to play them? There's a lot, but I think the Pac-12 kind of is now leading the charge a bit here with like, this is what we're doing. We have our options built in. Get on board or we'll be claiming some national championships.
0: <laughs> I I think this is just a bizarre year and figuring out how postseason is going to play out is, I'm, I'm happy that's not my job, I'll put it that way. I'm yeah. happy that people are making those decisions. Like it's gonna be very complicated and it's gonna, frankly, it's a thing that, that uh, yeah, it's gonna be just interesting to see how it plays out. Let's, um, let's conclude well, this show,
1: go ahead. One more thing, I think the, uh, a lot of fans have already asked this um, and it was probably the most interesting question because I think it's difficult to answer, but the Pac-12 did announce that uh, spectators, fans, uh, that will not be a conference decision. Uh, that will be up to the local health authorities, the state officials, and the schools themselves. Uh, so we could see if areas are doing better fans in the stands, but some areas that are having hot spots won't have fans. I think that's just a very interesting
0: huh.
1: uh, note that the Pac 12 is going to leave it up to local health officials and kind of go hands
0: off there. Wow. No, I actually, I think I missed that point previously kevin that's that's certainly interesting and again not to make it about competitive balance because there's a lot more important things at play here but uh, you do wonder about what the impacts are of like you said a place like i mean like let's be honest arizona and socal probably shouldn't have any fans there unless something drastically changes that's going to hurt their home field advantage maybe a place like eugene where currently and i'm knocking on wood here um because you just don't know the, the case count is I think under 40 active cases and you'd imagine there'd be more flexibility, at least hypothetically to to have more fans here. So um am going to be interesting to see how that impacts things. From, like, Again, g- glad that's not my decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many of, the, I think what I'll just say as a caveat for this whole show, I'm happy every decision that they made wasn't something I was <laughs> put in charge of because this is, this is complicated stuff. And I, I, I think, I give a lot of credit to the conference for, for putting this stuff together. And I, I think there is, uh, considering the circumstances, it feels like they've taken a lot into account. And I think from a scheduling perspective, um, Kevin commented earlier about the way the bye weeks are set up. And I, 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 li- I didn't dislike much of anything that I saw today. In fact, I really can't think of a thing that I disliked at all. Um, let's wrap up here, Kevin. Uh, really, just kind of almost a knee jerk. We, we're going to put out our, our predictions for records. Uh, throughout the next week or so uh, in terms of game by game, we're gonna break it down on the site. So you can make sure to keep an eye out for that. We'll, we'll, we'll be doing those, I think, Monday through Friday, the next two weeks, just a, starting at Colorado running through. But you look at this, Kevin, um, I think this is a pretty favorable schedule for Oregon. I think most people agree with that. In fact, I pulled my Twitter followers, and as of this recording, 72% expect Oregon to go undefeated. Um, are you as bullish on that, Kevin, or does that seem – to me that feels a little bit uh, – a little overconfident. But what, what do you think? What, what, how do you think this sets up for you? Do you think it's – you feel like it, it could be an undefeated season the way it's set up?
1: Yeah, I actually do. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting with a 10-game schedule or a 9 game Pac twelve only schedule, ESPN's Football Power Index gave the Ducks a – chance of winning those nine conference games. Um, I think the way the schedule has been rearranged actually does help the Ducks um, to a a pretty sizable degree. Um, And so I think that's just a a big step for Oregon to kind of get the chance of running the table. I think uh, the Ducks are going to have going to have to run the table or if they suffer a loss, it's going to have to be to a really competitive team uh, just with no non-conference games and the Pac-12 value kind of not being what it was. And I think that's going to play a lot to the national perception, whether it's the AP poll or the college football playoff committee. Um, I think the ducks do have a really well scheduled chance to, to do something special if all the pieces fall in line. I think a 9-1 season is uh, very achievable. Uh, very, very achievable. And I think a 10-0 season is achievable.
0: Yeah, I don't totally disagree. I I, I do also think, to, to me, 10-0 feels really optimistic in, in best case. And I only say, it, not because I really look at the schedule and think there are a lot of games Oregon could lose, because I do look at this and think it, it is a favorable schedule. I think there are a handful of games that will be challenging. I think there are some games that, frankly, probably won't be very challenging. I think you see most of those on the, on the front end of the schedule. I think Colorado, uh, Colorado at Washington State, at Oregon State could, in theory, all be very, very lopsided Oregon wins, in theory. I mean, who knows? We'll see. What, we don't know everything about what the Cougs and, and uh, Beavers will look like, but I, I think there's opportunity there. I, I, but the reason I would say caution that is, is just that nobody runs through the, through the conference unbeaten um no one after, has no one has period since they've gone to 12 schools um the last time a school did it it was oregon um in 2010 when, when it, right before it it switched over to the pac 12 and it, of course that was really lost to, to cam newton and auburn um oregon has never prior to that run undefeated through conference play whether that was the pac 10 i'm not going to try to run through the history of the conferences but just a, a variety of different conferences that they've been in had never run through it unbeaten so i i think it's a lot to expect that, especially with a season where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of bizarre nature. I'm not saying that I think that the COVID stuff is going to completely cost Oregon a game or not, but like, don't be surprised if if there are some weird implications here. I mean, this is a bizarre season. So I think on paper, Oregon certainly uh, has a great chance to, to run through this. I think they're going to be favored in probably almost every game, depending on how it plays out. But... Um, winning 10 straight games is hard and Oregon historically has never done it with nine or only done it once with nine games. I think asking them to do it with 10 in the strange, strange nature of the season where you aren't actually getting any non conference games and you warm up games before games start counting towards conference. So um, to me, I think a, a, a number of reasons why I think it unlikely that they do go 10 and 0, but um, I, I understand I think, optimism too.
1: I agree with a lot of that points, And I, I think it is notable how difficult it is to, Run a nine-game conference schedule, and now you make it a ten-game conference schedule. Uh, looking it up, uh, Ohio State last season, first program to do to to have that wow. run through, and then they ended up losing to Clemson. Uh, but it just it's happened one time ever that a team has won a nine-game conference schedule and then won the conference championship. So there, there's some historical context for you.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and, and I, if I'm looking at this, let's end here. Um, Kevin, I think we both think Oregon can – I'm going to say it. I'm probably going to predict they win nine games um, out of these ten when we do it. You look at the schedule, and if you have to pick one game that you think maybe is Oregon's the most susceptible to losing, um, where do you land?
1: Very unpopular,
0: but I'm going to say USC.
1: <laughs> I, I think you're coming off that three-game gauntlet. Yeah. I think uh, last year – they avoided Chase Garbers uh, due to injury, but that game tested and stretched the offense as hard as they could. Uh, I think this year it's going to be a three-game gauntlet, and uh, at the end of it, I think USC is just going to be the toughest game on the schedule.
0: Oof, I like I do like that pick, Kevin, and that's and that's a, and that's a really good pick, especially because it is the third of the, of those games. I'm going to pick the game right before it, right in the middle of that. I, I think at Cal. And really, that are at Utah, but the Utes, to me, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not sure what they're going to be and, and the weird nature of the way that season plays out in the back end there. I just don't know how much that game's going to matter. But I, I think that game with Cal is huge because really that could be for the Pac 12 North Championship. You look at what that would be Oregon's second to last Pac 12 North game, um, their last one being against Stanford. If, if they can beat Cal there, and let's say they've already beaten Washington State, Oregon State, and Washington in the previous weeks, um, they can almost lock that thing up. Um, once again in early November. Um, so I think that's a big game. Cal's probably going to be potentially in a similar spot. So I, I think that's the one there's going to be a lot on the line there in terms of winning the Pac-12 North. So I, I would pick that game. And, and I'll also say um, th- that USC game is, is hard not to look at. I think that's, an, I think that's a tough game too. Um, Trojans have a lot of talent. And uh, it's at home, which I think is beneficial. But I think Kevin brings up a good point about it being right on the tail end of that three game stretch where I think Washington and Cal are going to be games that certainly could challenge Oregon. Um, So let's wrap it up right there. I think that's a good place to end this podcast. Um, Man, it's cool having a schedule. I think Kevin said earlier was right. The best part of the schedule is that we have a schedule. Um, So uh, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this one. And uh, I guess go ahead and check out our work at duckcharger.com. We've been working kind of around the clock to, to cover the schedule release and everything that goes with it. So, For Kevin Wade, um, I'm Eric Scopo, and thanks for listening to the Ots and Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you folks later.